Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll be able to unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, and the theme of that psalm is that God is seen as a caring shepherd and a dependable guide who we must follow God and obey his commands. He is our only one for eternal life and security. So David's credited for writing Psalm 23, and this psalm is a historical masterpiece, but why? Well, first, we need to understand God's instrument, David. Who was he? What was special about him? And how did he go from the shepherd's field to the palace? And then finally, we want to know, what does King Saul have to do with David? We learn in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the Lord would speak to his judge Samuel, instructing him that he had mourned long enough for King Saul. Saul had been concerned about others would think of him, more so than he was about the status of his relationship with God. And from a worldly point of view, King Saul fit the part and role of a king. He was said to have been tall and handsome. He was an impressive looking man. So what did Saul do to make the Lord reject his own whom he had established for the throne of Israel? Well, let's look at Israel's history. It's helpful to understand why Israel was clamoring for a king. The succession of priesthood and then judges followed by prophets didn't work to rule the nations. The people's liability was their disobedience. They knew that the judge Samuel's sons were not fit to take over for Samuel and lead Israel upon his death. And the 12 tribes of Israel had challenges working together because each tribe had its own leader and territory. So the people were hopeful that a king would unite the tribes into one nation and one army. And it's important to recognize that God did not want this for his people. He knew that this was how the neighboring nations operated, but having a king would cause the people to forget about the Lord. And God had mentioned guidelines for a king in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, you must appoint a fellow Israelite, not a foreigner, knowing the people would be insistent with this request. So sometimes God's no's are truly for our protection and our good. But God gave the Israelites instructions both for their benefit and the king's benefit as he sought to lead the people. By seeking kingship, the people were rejecting God as their leader. They wanted human leadership of laws and army rather than the strength of the one true God. Had the people submitted to God, they would have flourished. It's the same with me and with you. When we submit to God's leadership and allow him to lead our family and our personal lives, we thrive. 
Our faith in God must touch all areas of our life. Think on this for a moment. God called Israel to be a distinct, holy nation, separate and unique from the others. Yet it was the very people within the nation of Israel who were wanting the institution of a king. This one idea opposed God's original plan for Israel. I've said it before, but it bears restating here. God provides his children with guardrails. This is for our protection. It's never because he's willfully holding anything back from us. He wants us to have his very best. But we must be careful that the opinions, values, and behaviors of others do not dictate our choices. We must know deep within our hearts that what God tells us in his word is right. When we listen to unbelievers, we're headed down the road called spiritual disaster. So stop and ask yourself this question. Do you view all situations in life as a divine appointment or divine opportunities? Times that are designed to shape our life. Well, most people answer no to those questions, and yet oftentimes we're traveling through life not giving much thought to our circumstances. We may tend to think that events are just happening to us, but reflecting on my life, I've learned how circumstances are God's way of taking us or leading us to where he wants us to go. And although Saul was called by God to be the first king of Israel and had a purpose and a mission to fulfill, he struggled with feelings of insecurity, jealousy, arrogance, impulsiveness, and deceit. He was not wholeheartedly committed to God. And the Holy Spirit worked in Saul's life on an as-needed basis. He would be empowered for the tasks of God when the Holy Spirit would come upon him. But this wasn't lasting power. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit operated on an as-needed basis. For example, the Holy Spirit used Saul's anger to bring about justice and freedom for the people. And how has God used your anger in constructive ways? When we are angry within the will of God, it's known as righteous anger. We too can be channels helping to bring about positive change. One example that comes to mind is human trafficking. We've learned first impressions are often wrong. Many times appearances contradict a person's qualities and abilities. Saul was one such person. Visually, he fit the image of king, but he fell short with his character. He would often act contrary to God's commands. While God had chosen him as Israel's first king, he wasn't able to take on this task alone. With God, he was able. Without God, he would struggle in disobedience. And there are times that God will place his favor upon an individual who has the raw components he needs to further his kingdom work. Looking at Saul, we find he had the good looks, the courage, the action, and we couple these with his weaknesses, and God could have combined it all, making him usable. But because Saul chose to cut himself off from God and from the people, he became unusable for the kingdom of God and would no longer be allowed to serve or protect them. It's in our strength and our abilities that we're useful but it is in our weaknesses and vulnerabilities that we're usable. 
were mere pencils or pens in the hand of God. Our skills and abilities act as the tools of our Lord, the master craftsman. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 35, we learn Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul king over Israel. Now Jesse, who was the father of eight boys, met with Samuel. He told Samuel, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the shepherd's fields watching the sheep. Samuel told Jesse to go and get him and bring him back to him. Here's how Samuel would describe David upon first meeting with him. He was ruddy in complexion and handsome with pleasant eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. And so it was done on that day, God would begin preparing David to be a king. And many things happen in David's lifetime, but through the culmination of them all, he's remembered as one of the greatest men in the Old Testament, a man after God's own heart. And this brings us to Psalm 23. The Strong's Concordance calls the Book of Psalms a spiritual song. Psalms can be recited as poetry or they were also used by the tribes as music to sing. But perhaps Psalm 23 is the most frequently known and quoted psalm of all time. Many non-believers are familiar too. Often people speaking at funerals will recite Psalm 23. And I've heard that infantry units quoted Psalm 23 when engaged in battle. Other units around them suffered injuries and casualties, while those who continued to quote God's word did not, remaining safe. The Psalms offer us comfort, inspiration, correction, and often a much-needed word from the Lord. So here's a question. How can we put the Psalms into action, having them work within our lives? What I've found helpful is to memorize the whole psalm if it's short, or just the verses that speak directly to me, or to read the psalm out loud several times a day until it becomes a part of me. And Psalm 23 gives us confidence and trust in God. There are times when we find our trust has been shaken to the core. We must make the choice to rebuild from the ground up if necessary. God gives us the tools we need to be secure within his kingdom. Now let's look specifically at Psalm 23 and what it has to say. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, first and foremost, it's important to recognize that David wrote this from his life experiences. Sheep are notoriously stupid animals. They're completely dependent upon a caretaker. And David is saying, we're the sheep of the father. Our father is our shepherd. This means the Lord offers us provision, guidance, and protection. 
David isn't inferring that we're stupid, but we do need to recognize our need for the Good Shepherd. And Jesus is the Lord who gives us a lifetime of care. Jesus is completely invested in your life and in mine. And as the sheep, we're not frightened nor passive animals. Rather, we're truly obedient followers. We're wise enough to recognize that we follow the one who will lead us in the right places and in the right ways. And Psalm 23 does not focus on the animal-like qualities of sheep, but instead... It places the focus on discipleship qualities of those who will follow. I shall not want means an unending supply. When we allow God to guide our paths, we find contentment. When we allow sin willingly into our lives, we cannot blame it on God, nor blame the environment we end up in. God is seeking promised reapers for what has been sown in our lives, not just promise keepers. When we're obedient to God's word, we'll experience green meadows, peaceful streams, right paths. And when we rebel against the shepherd's leading, we rebel against our own best interest. And God's word says he lets me rest in green meadows. This is God insisting, not asking for us to have abundance. Still waters are representative of inner peace and tranquility. These are qualities needed for authentic prayer so that we can hear God's voice. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is God's word. The staff is the Holy Spirit. While he restores my soul means that God is providing you and me with divine energy or our vital energy that will flow into us constantly regulating our physical, mental, and emotional activities. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy means God's fighting my battles, our battles, placing in front of us a table overflowing with joy and abundance of life. And it's important to note that our enemies are not always flesh and blood. It may be an illness, fear of change, or attitude of lack, or it could be a principality of fallen angel. But really, our enemy is anything that causes fear and us not to have love. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, means God is causing our life to overflow with joy. And in ancient times, oil was used to anoint or bless kings. And now it's used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever means we'll have a consciousness about living with God forever. And in Romans chapter 8, it ties into this as the Holy Spirit is God's promise or guarantee of eternal life for those who believe in him and the Spirit's with us now by faith and by faith we're certain to live with Christ forever. And then death can be frightening, even if we know what our final outcome is, which is eternal life with the Lord. But we still have to face the unknown by sheer trust, fortitude, and faith. And when we position our faith correctly in Jesus, we're victors over death, 100% guaranteed. Jesus is the only one who can walk with us through the valley of death into the external comfort of glory. When we focus on this truth, With awareness, all fear is cast out. 
walking through the darkest ravine cannot intimidate us because it's one with the same divine reality that's already within us. So friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. Let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. God bless you. And as you go out into the world, remember the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays, so tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present day lives. And we delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, among many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. Much of today's podcast was referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, or at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And if you're unable to afford a copy, friends, please write to me. I'll find a way to get you a copy. And if you know anyone who may be interested in this material, please share a copy with them too. So until next time, be blessed.